Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here with Betsy. Betsy Vaughan, how are you doing? Hey Stuart, Bell. I'm great. Good to be here. It is good to be here. Uh, we're just laughing because we jumped on the call a second ago to start recording and realised that was 40 minutes ago. So <laughs> we, don't worry though, we saved the best bit for uh, the best bit <laughs> for the show. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't record those other conversations though. It probably because is. Kind of silly. <laughs> Uh, need a, like an after dark show. Right. Um, okay, so let's uh, get in the zone. Today we are going to talk about something that uh, cropped up in a conversation I had with Dean um, yesterday morning. We were talking about some ads that we are working with a consulting client for. Those ads are in print magazines. And the broad conversation reminded me a lot about the books, a lot about the certain elements of the book blueprint scorecard reminded me of elements of conversations that I know we both have with people about what to do when they're thinking about creating the book in the first place and then once it's created what to do with it so the conversation was around something that we have in the breakthrough DNA program and it's an element in one of the early profit activators called the seven key factors in creating compelling ads which is surprisingly difficult to say. Uh, but this is looking at the seven points of um, seven points of influence, I guess, seven points of amplification that you've got. So reminding me of the book blueprint scorecard, the eight factors that we've got there in, in designing the best lead generating book. So I thought it's going to be super useful to run through these. I'm going to put a screenshot of the one particular slide from that program into the show notes. So head across to um, 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And this is going to be episode 75. So take a look at the at the image to, to play along at home. But there's, there's seven of them. We'll, we'll read out the seven individually. So don't worry too much if, you, if you're not on the show notes page. How does that sound? Sound good? Oh, cool. I think it's great. Perfect. So I guess the easiest way to start, I'll run through what the seven are, just so we've got them all in one place, and then we'll dive into each of them individually. The first one starts as a lot of stuff that we do starts by selecting a single target market. So whether we're creating a book, creating an ad, I mean, almost having a conversation with people, going to speak at an event, almost everything starts with that selecting a single target market. The second one is an engaging headline. The third one is a compelling offer. The fourth one is looks like valuable information. Then we go into conversational language, crystal clear next steps. And the last one is a free recorded message and a compelling website, um, a place for people to go. So we'll dive into those each individually. That as a framework though, I, I, as you listen to this, you probably recognize it from the Book Blueprint scorecard, from the Profit Activator scorecard and the yeah. Breakthrough, um, the Eight Profit Activators framework. I think as a, as a framework, as a set of building blocks, that before, during and after unit type approach, that what are we trying to do, how are we trying to do it in the most effective way and what's the next steps is such a a great way of thinking about almost anything that, that's done. We'll translate this into specifically into books, but it really is from, as I said, from conversations to speak mm -hmm. on stage, to designing ads, to putting a funnel, a campaign in place. It's, um, 
it's just such a, a great, simple, easy to understand, not too complex structure to to build things around. When you're talking to people in the in the early stage of writing, does that model translate into the conversations that that you have? Do you find it easy to frame things, um, yeah, pin things to that framework? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I can see this whole conversation. If you just look at these sort of these key factors we're talking about, that it's sort of exactly how my conversations go, you know. Um, so we definitely see that. And that's the conversation we have. And it, it always starts. People are always taken back by, um, and I don't know why, because if they've listened to us at all, one time or no team, we're always going to start with that single target market. <laughs> and people are people still, when, when I say that to them, they still go, oh, there's a there's a pause like they've never thought right. like, the question's never popped your, up before yeah like and i'm like who's your audience like it becomes that simple you know and so who are we oh okay well well it's this group of people but then it could be this group but maybe that'll be the ne- next book so um right. that's always interesting to me that when i when we start there i'm like oh okay well this is this we should pinpoint first before we do anything else you know it's interesting isn't it because it always seems so repetitive and there's a risk of us thinking about it as being redundant in the sense of well surely everyone knows this because we talk about it so often it's the it's the starting place for so many conversations but you're absolutely right that it's not until people are people can hear it and hear it and hear it but it's mm-hmm. not until they're forced to confront it almost and answer the question they actually stop and think at a at a conscious level kind of at a subconscious level it goes in and the words make sense and it's not complicated and it's easy to conceptualize so it's almost like it's it's too simple it passes people by because they think at a superficial level well obviously i've got an answer for that i know who i'm trying to target but when you actually try and pin people down to a specific mm-hmm. answer which is really where the where the benefit comes through trying to be too um too generic or t- not having considered the the answer as completely as you could means that you're just missing opportunities because you're not leveraging or amplifying the, that one particular point in the program as much as you could. And particularly the way it's structured, there is a a somewhat linear um, element to these in that they start at the beginning and then the subsequent um, the subsequent mindsets build on it. That if you don't take time to dial in that single target market, it then has an impact on all of the other things. So. Um, looking at the book blueprint scorecard again or that book blueprint framework if you don't dial in the single target market then it impacts the constraints that you've got on the book into um, in terms of what you're creating that can have problems it has an impact the outline because you could go off topic or be too vague or not really have that clear taking people from the beginning to an end so it has an impact there the call to action might not be as specific or valuable or relevant as it could be if you if you built on that so yeah it's super interesting that it seems to be something that's so obvious and fundamental and everyone mm-hmm. has gone through but until people are actually forced to so yeah. as as you're listening to this those seven mindsets or seven factors i'll pull these uh, i'll pull the elements out individually and put them in the show notes as well not just have them on the slide and the email that will go out when the podcast goes out at the weekend i'll highlight them there so you don't have to try and make it a little bit easier so you don't have to dig around for them but really i think this is a great opportunity to take those seven points and just with everything that you're creating just have it as a post on the side of the desk and just validate validate that 
particular piece of work back against these these check-ins. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so single target market, uh, we've there, we've got many podcasts that talk mm. about this, as we just talked about. Um, it comes up a lot, but just to re-emphasize it, and if you have heard us talk about this before, but you're not able to articulate it very specifically, who you're trying to target, then it really is the case that having something that is specific is going to resonate with that group better than having something that's generic. So there's a couple of terms that we talk about. One's the horoscope effect of as your eyes are scanning through a newspaper, you're flicking through, you come across the horoscope page, your eyes are going to recognize and be drawn to whatever horoscope, whatever star sign you are, because your brain is great at pattern matching and it matches those words, those characters, more so than it would for any of the other 11 um, astrological symbols that, that aren't you. So having a book that specifically targets the the question that's in their, their mind already, the thing that's relevant to them. So a couple of the examples we've got are like the 2019 California Guide to Social Security. Two horoscope effects in that title. 2019 makes it stand out more than 2018 or having no date on it at all. There's a there's an urgency or a immediacy related to the date. And then the California Social Security Guide stands out because the person's in California. Um, one of the first books we did was What to Do at 62, uh, talking about retirement planning. And as you're getting closer to drawing down Social Security, there's certain aspects that you need to do. That book was targeted at seniors reaching that particular age. And the horoscope effect of that is going to stand out even more as someone is 61 or 62. That title is going to stand out to them more as it's passing by in a in a Facebook um, news feed or or a postcard that arrives or in a, in a print advert, the horoscope effect of those those numbers being very specifically relevant to the person is going to stand out. Um, we've used the example before of the um, from the Breakthrough Blueprint book, the we shoot bottles, we shoot cans ads for the photography company that have. Um, obviously do photography for many things but their individual sites of we shoot bottles and we shoot cans are really going to resonate with people who are looking for product shots of bottles or product shots of cans two different markets one one person isn't necessarily interested in the other so picking that single target market not only does it help people identify themselves or resonate with the thing that you're offering it also makes it more um more straightforward to create all of the other parts of the puzzle so the follow-up emails the call to action the content that should go in the book in the first place when you have it dialed into a particular group and that group is big enough to be an interesting market for you to work with then all of the other steps become more straightforward and, and easy to easy to create um that's a great place to start it is a second great place to start is to take a drink of water, which I've remembered <laughs> to drink fun. with me today. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm over here playing with my AirPod. <laughs> I'm only hearing you in one ear at this point. So, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> a, uh, yeah, a hot off, swap but... and, uh, yeah, hot swap and, uh, and keep up with the conversation. Right. Um, the second one on the list then is an engaging headline. So as we're thinking about books, this obviously correlates with a, with a title mm -hmm. so the fact that it's engaging is is the 
kind of the key terms. So we talk about kind of engaging and compelling. The horoscope effect we've already talked about and dialing in that single target market, using words in the title that is um, that carries that horoscope effect through. So there's some recognition there. Having it having a a um, having a passionate element associated with it, having it based around outcomes rather than problems around solution and success and the promise of what could be rather than just identifying or um, or building on what the issue is is a good way to go if you can I mean it's not always it's not always possible but that thing that stands out gets someone to recognize it uses language that kind of answers the question that is in their mind already answers the problem that they're trying to solve and answers it in a positive way that gives gives hope. All of these little elements are what forms a great title. And we've got hundreds of titles now. So if you're struggling to come up with one that's dialed in particularly to what you're thinking about, then head over to the gallery on the website. And there's uh, there's literally hundreds up there to, to look through and, and take some inspiration from. Yeah, I'm looking at the gallery now because I, I went there and I was, I was thinking, trying to think about some of our titles and how they capture you but then there's some that are not quite specific you know and you don't know just from from you know taking the plunge like what that would be you know um until you have a strong you know subtitle that gives you that definition and that is something that people um come to me and they'll say oh you know i have this book that i want to do called flowers Okay, well, is it about right. flowers? Well, no, it's not about flowers. It's just about how the blooming process of your business. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and so I'm like, okay, well, you can call your book flowers if you want, but that's not going to capture somebody enough. They're not going to know, and they're just going to keep going because it's not telling you anything about this book, you know, um, and the importance of that. That's important. People want to be able to, to read it and say, you know, part-time personal trainer. A, okay, this is a book about personal training. Got it. Right. Great. This is a, yeah, you know. it does what it says on the tin. <laughs> we had a, a show a while ago where we were talking about titles. It was probably as we were going through the book blueprint um, scorecard and the the one of the early mindsets picking the single target market. It might have been in that episode, but we were saying there that there is a, a it's very fashionable at the moment to have like a one-word title that doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily it's a little bit ambiguous and i think the problem is that that works to a certain degree works better in a traditional book printing um um like a fiction book type right. scenario where a book is on the shelf it's competing against other books and the product is the book so the cover of that book is trying to sell the book itself and there is a certain amount of of intrigue around one-word titles that are maybe a little bit ambiguous, um, obviously amplified by the subheading, just as you said, so it makes mm-hmm. a little bit more sense. But that that cleverness, that cuteness around um, around the titles in this scenario, where we're talking about a lead-generating book and you're trying to start a conversation and mm-hmm. identify people who have got a particular problem that you're trying to solve, that cuteness is just noise in the in yeah. the message it distracts from from helping people self-select themselves as yes this is relevant to me so as is often the case i mean there's no there's really a right or wrong answer and even wrong answers are, are not necessarily always wrong it's just they're less effective so 
it's um, having a book out there with a less good title is better than having no book out there. So it's it's definitely back on. That's very true. (laughs) But it definitely isn't as clear as um, it isn't as clear a message. Thinking about it as a headline on an ad, if you're writing the headline, you would make that very clear and as unambiguous as possible. You wouldn't try and get all cutesy in the headline. Mm-hmm. Same with the cover of the book. It's there to do a job and the job isn't necessarily to win you an award for the cleverest title. It's to do more business. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I think we've had several people who've, you know, had that like cutesy kind of and I'm like, it's it's let's step back from that. You know, would you really be interested in a book would that draw you you know um it may be cute when you're playing with it on paper and it may sound good and it's so <laughs> well but you know when you're thinking about people actually picking up your book and using the advice or reaching out to you it, that's not going to happen you know so yeah i guess yeah. the times where it might work um again not kind of there's never one size fits also all answer so Mm-mm. the times where it might work i guess is if you really engage if someone had the heart set on a particular title and they thought it was the best thing in the world and that was the thing that was preventing them from getting going then just crack on and get it out there anyway mm-hmm. a, a less good title is is never worse than no right. book if it's that you're using the book entirely in a physical sense to known prospect so you're not using it to help identify invisible leads which is often the case that we talk about but instead using it as part of almost like the profit activator three stage of educating and motivating people who you already know so if there are certain words or language that you use within the industry or within your framework that people would know and recognize so that they would get the internal joke so that it would resonate with them because they are part of a known audience they're part of the tribe in that situation i guess it could work um or it work more successfully than um than the less successful way of using it with cold prospects because there's some context around it. Um, yeah, always interesting to try and think of scenarios when it does work and when it doesn't work. And I think context is the key. How are you planning on using it? And again, that circles back to knowing who the single target market is, knowing whether it's it's the group of insiders or outsiders, because that really influences or um, contributes to the other stages. Um, Okay, so the next one then is is have a compelling offer. Um, this for us in a book sense is really the back cover copy and the next steps. So the whole purpose of the book that you're writing in the context that we're talking about is identifying invisible leads and compelling them to take the next step. That next step is defined in the, the kind of closing chapter, the next step, the back cover copy. And we want to give people an easy, unambiguous way of taking it to the next stage. We often say that the absolute best way of thinking about a book like this is to start a conversation to answer one particular point as deeply as possible, but understanding that there's always other things to talk about. There's always more pieces of the puzzle and allowing people to access that information as here's what to do next is the very best way to build it in. So rather than trying to have a book that covers 
in-depth absolutely everything on a subject and trying to convince people or hammer home to people that they should do that they should work with you instead answer the question in the most helpful way possible that one narrow question that is the most important to them at the moment when they're starting their journey and then saying now you've got yourself to stage one you're in a great position to um, to think about this in a way that you haven't thought about it before, a great way to start considering more of your options. And the next step is to dive a little bit deeper. And in order to do it a little bit deeper, then take this next step. The, the other option of trying to put in as much information as possible so that and then say to them the only way is to work with me, or the next step is to um, sign up for a big ticket program. If the purpose of the book is to engage with new people at the top of the funnel invisible leads who are coming across you for the first time that's maybe a big step it's difficult for them to to take that it's not very compelling they'd have to be quite far down the down the the path of wanting to work with you to know like and trust you before they're likely to do that um Again, looking at the flip side of it, then the context in which it does work, if you're using the book as more of a profit activated three tool to educate and motivate people over time, they already know, like, and trust you. This is just compelling them to take a next step. Then having that that harder close, that bigger close for a bigger ticket item is going to be more possible because there's already a relationship there. You're not trying to go from zero to 100 miles an hour just within the pages of 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 a book that's that's identifying them from scratch so that's compelling offer you know a lot of our authors will um usually it's like go to my website and you know they've got either an assessment or a, a free call or that yeah. offering of something that like you said it's not that big ticket item that says I'm going to throw in five thousand dollars and start working with you kind of thing but it's that it's that baby step of like, okay, I can do this. This is, you know, get a little more information, get a little more comfortable with John Smith and um, just sort of see more what he has to offer. Um, yeah. That's what, and, and and that's, I'm struggling. Our roles have changed a little bit around here. And I've been writing a lot of the back covers. And when you ask a client for their input, they, they completely forget about that. You know, right. I'm like, well, do you have like a 30 minute free consultation or a 15 minute call or, you know, oh yeah, we, we can do that stuff. They, you know, one I got the other day was like these four or five steps of basically the same information that was in the book, but it wasn't, it's not, it's the same information. You know, there was nothing that says like, I should reach out to you. I want to come, you know, work with me kind of thing. There was none of of that, anything that would make someone want to go to their website, it was just sort of more of the same. And so when the person passed it back to me, I said, okay, we're going to tweak this up a little bit. You know, if yeah. you're offering this, if you, you know, oh yeah, no, I have this great thing that they can watch on my website, tells them a little bit more and then, you know, they can download it. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's what we want to put on there. You know, um, not more of the same. That's not giving them anything, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not, guiding them in a particular place to be there's a line i forget or quotes i forget who it's from but people are desperate to be led and that's true right across the board no matter what you're doing whether it's in a in a big world-changing type way or a small type way of going into a restaurant there's the worst the worst situation is walking into a 
maybe not the worst situation, but <laughs> it's always not the great best feeling of walking into a restaurant that's packed and busy. There's a lot of people there. You get the feeling that everyone can see you when you walk through the door and it's ambiguous when you get in. It's unclear whether you're supposed to seat yourself or whether you need to wait for a server or a host to seat you. If you are, should you go up to the bar to get someone's attention or is someone supposed to come across to you? That lack of clarity about what to do next is a huge turnoff and really slows the process down it slows the boat down it grinds the the gears of, of commerce and stops people wanting to move forward as quick as they do and when you think about someone who's read the book who's engaged enough to order a copy in the first place to make it past the first page to have consumed the content and then be left hanging at the end if there's nowhere for them to go all of that momentum starts evaporating from that second. Every every mm-hmm. moment afterwards, it becomes less and less likely that they'll take the next step, even if they're the most engaged to do so or the most um, inclined to do so, just because life happens and something else will come up and people get distracted and the momentum goes and the enthusiasm wanes. So having a very clear way that they can move forward is the single most important thing, I think, after picking the title in the first place, the thing that gets them to raise their hand. And it's super interesting what you said in that people, I think, have two um, mental blocks or or frames that are holding up back covers. One is that because it, the place where this text lives is physically on the back of the book and in 99% of other circumstances, books that people read and pick up the back copy's purpose is to sell the book because the book is the product. So that's why you have testimonials about how good the book is and a synopsis of what the book's about because all of the job of work of the back cover is to sell the book. It's not to give people a next step to to learn more and take the conversation forward. So I think that's one problem. People are thinking about it in terms of not this is an ad and this is the call to action on an ad, they're instead thinking about it as this is a book and this is the back cover of a book. So I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing, which he alluded to, is people forget and miss the fact that they've probably got all of these things in place already. If you had a customer come in and walk through the door, all of these steps you would probably do. You'd ask them a little bit about themselves. You'd start the conversation slowly to kind of start bringing out some of that information. If they were new to the process or the concept, you'd start them off with the more obvious stuff and maybe give them something to watch or something to read or something that introduces them a little bit further you wouldn't necessarily lock the door behind them and say, that's great, you now need to give me five grand for a consultation. (laughs) So all of these things, the majority of these things, people already had in place, they just maybe don't name them or they haven't got them um, packaged up as a particular thing. It's just some knowledge that they've got in in their head of, of a framework that they use. So again, as you're listening to this, you want to go through and make the, your book the most effective possible, take that time and just a moment to think, okay, back of a copy, the job of work is to give them an easy next step. What would I say to someone if they walked through the door of the office at the moment? What would we do to bring on board the people who are the, um, the earliest in the process and the people who are a little bit further down the track and the people who just want it absolutely done for them? And... Uh, and what are the offers or what are the things that we can put in place to help each of those people at that point? That's great. You know, I think you're, you're 
I, I hate to say, and I hate to sound like people sound like they just aren't thinking, but like you said, they've got this information already. And what would that, I'm going to use that. What would you do if somebody walked in the door? You know, what yeah. would be your response? And, and I'm actually going to use that exact line. I just wrote it down because when I'm explaining to someone like, it shouldn't be that hard to, to say, well, what is it that you offer somebody? And people go, oh, well, I don't, um, well, I'll give them an assessment or they can come like they, they forget like those are things. That's a, a great compelling offer, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's the, well, disclosure number one, I'd like to take credit for that line, but actually I just stole it off Dean because uh, <laughs> he does it all the time. So full credit where that's true. I um, say things all the time and they sound really great. And I'm like, Oh, I think Dean said that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give him credit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the the other point is, I think it's like you say, it's nothing. It it's not a problem that people have got. It's not that they can't, they're not intelligent enough to come up with good back cover copy, or that they're not doing this job already. I think it all comes down to context. So my background, people might have heard me talk about before, is financial services. In that environment, people are hugely confused by financial products, when in reality at least at the, for most people, it really comes down to either you're getting a loan for something and that loan might be called a mortgage or it might be called a personal loan or it might be called a refi or, but it, at the end of the day, you're borrowing money and you give, need to give more money back. Um, or people have got a, a savings account and hopefully you're putting money in and you're getting more money back. But that might be called a pension or 401k or IRA or all of these other things. It's the language around it and the fact that there's all these things laid on top of what fundamentally it is that just confuses people and then they switch off. So that context of talking about a pension on the one hand, uh, sorry, a 401k, switching languages, a 401k on one hand and a savings account on the other hand, there are differences, obviously, but fundamentally, it's broadly the same thing. People would be quite happy to talk about a savings account because there's a familiarity, there's a context that they understand, and all of the things that they've got in their head, the mental models around their own money and what they do with it makes sense. But as soon as you introduce the word 401k, people switch off because they think it's too difficult or confusing or the language that's used by industry professionals is intentionally confusing. It's exactly the same product at least for the sake of the illustration it's exactly the same product but just the context is switches switched and that's what throws people off and i think it's the same for the back cover because it's positioned in a slightly different way the context is different people switch off uh, not switch off but people don't make that connection whereas really you've got all of this stuff already pretty much i would say for everyone i mean i would say without exception everyone that rights with us has everything that they need already none of this is anything that you need to invent or make up the whole purpose of it is to take the knowledge that you've already got and package it in a way that's that's compelling and accessible to someone so all the way through the title the subheading the outline the content the back cover copy the design all of these things you've already got the the benefit that we bring to it really is just helping people extract that from their heads and get it down onto the page but if you're listening to this it's, uh, and you're not working directly with us or considering working directly with us then then that's the thing think about it as this isn't new this isn't some difficult rocket science all of this is in your head already just try and um, 
try and think about the the context of the question, maybe change the context of the question to something that's more familiar, get something down on the page and then then tweak from there. Sorry, that's into a bit of a side run. Um, <laughs> OK, so where do we get to? We got to compelling. OK, so the next one on the list is looks like valuable information. This is in the context of an ad. So for the ads, we often talk about the advertorial type content of writing an ad that gives something valuable there and then. So the um, we've used before the email mastery example a few times, the ad that we ran in Success Magazine talked about the nine word email. That ad as a standalone ad was completely valuable because it contained everything on the one page that answered that one particular question. It was a great illustration of a nine word email. And then again, there was an opportunity to learn more by grabbing a copy of the book. In this situation, we're saying looks like valuable information. To me, that correlates nicely with the book blueprint score mindset of creating the the content that's all about them, um, that's answering the question completely, giving as much as possible within the narrow scope of answering the question. So we don't want it just to look like valuable information. We want it to be valuable information. Mm. So sometimes we'll be talking to people and they'll want to hold some information back or they'll want to tease or give a um, give the indication that there's more information. But in order to get that answer, you need to work with me to 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 um, to find out what what it is. The much better way of doing it is to put the complete answer as much as possible into the content so that the reader has their the promise of the title is completely delivered by the book. There's no concept of holding back. We, on the consulting side of things, some of the ads that we've been running with people are making offers. So typically people will put an offer out there of 10% off or with this coupon code, get 10% off this particular service that we're offering. What we suggest um, pretty much across the board is that instead of saying 10% off, position it as a $100 gift card. So the monetary value is the same. You know how much the 10% equates to in terms of money. But by positioning it as a $100 gift card, that mental model is you're absolutely giving someone $100. Yeah. Exactly the same math of saying there's 10% off. The mental model there is still got 90% to pay it it's positioning one as a hundred percent giving and the other as 10% giving where the math is actually the same so from the content of the book perspective same deal if you know all of the answers to a question of um what example have we used before we've used like the outdoor wedding guide for the florists before now. So if you were writing that and said, okay, well, here's three venues, but actually I'm not going to tell you all of the details about these. If you want to know the full details, then reach out to me and I'll give you them. Or here are three venues, but there's actually five more that are better, but reach out to me and I'll give you them. Or if it was a financial planning book around 401ks and said, okay, for 2019, uh, the 2019 tax guidelines have changed here are three things that you need to know but actually reach out to me for the other two then all of that is holding something back or if you start saying here's some information but i can't go into it 
in depth, but I'll tell you it later. All of that's holding back. Now, you might be listening to this and saying, Abby, you were saying answer one question deeply, and there's always more information that could be could be um, relevant. So how do I know the difference between not overwhelming them and trying to create a monster of a book that never gets complete versus not wanting to hold back and make it seem like I've not given the answers to the questions? And that, to a certain degree, is more art than science. But again, it, think about context. It very much comes back to how something's positioned and the context in which it's delivered. So if you know that there are things that are answers to the specific questions, then they should be included. As soon as you start drifting into that next ring out, that next level, be very careful about how you word that and don't word it in terms of holding some information back. Instead, term it like as in obviously there's a second stage now so here's all the 101 information and the 201 information is available elsewhere does that make sense it's definitely more <clears throat> yeah it does. i i'm just i'm kind of processing all that but yeah it definitely um it definitely it, it does make sense and um i think with the book so if we look at the 90 minute book and the book participant scorecard People who are listening to this are obviously interested in, in writing a book as a lead generation tool. There are a thousand things that we could talk about around the details of, of the printing process and publishing and the ISBNs and mm-hmm. websites and funnels and all of those other things. But the book blueprint scorecard, the eight elements that are listed in there, we answer those pretty comprehensively. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're saying, okay, of here's a light touch on four of the eight and you can find out some more information elsewhere. We answer those eight things as comprehensively as possible. And there are other things. I think it's just that trying to get as best as possible, going back to the promise of the title and reevaluating the words that you include to make sure that it definitely delivers on that promise. Um, as I say, art more than science about where the line is, but think about it from that that context, that position is going to be the most valuable. That's good stuff there. Okay. Okay. Right. Three more. Hopefully these should be quite quick because we've actually covered a lot of these already in the other in the other right. points. So the next one is conversational language. This one is is such a um, such a subtle, such a key difference, and one that I've personally struggled with with quite a while because coming from a corporate background, it's never conversational language that we deal with. It's always caveated language that we deal right. with. This is where Dean really, the difference in the way that, that Dean writes and the way that I write, it really comes through. So the benefit of conversational language, if you look at, um, when you think about the podcast that that Dean does. There's there's not there's no preparation for them in the sense that it's not they pick up the phone and start recording there and then. There's a lot of history and experience, and he's bringing all of the expertise to it because it's a framework. All of the podcasts are in the framework that he's very familiar with, but the language that he uses is very conversational. All the examples um, that are given. He very rarely caveats things in the way that I far too often often do. Um, 
it, it's conversational and it's moving forward. The same with the writing. If you look at the 90-minute book, so I'm guessing that everyone that's listening has, has seen the copy of the 90-minute book. And if not, head over to 90minutebooks.com and, and download it from the top there. But that book is very, and intentionally, very, very lightly edited because we wanted to make points with it that the content is less important than the subject and the call to action. But even with it being I very light, to that. Say that again. Right. Um, <laughs> so that yeah, exactly. The point isn't the or the important point that the important my words. The important part of the book isn't the content, it's the it's the title and the call to action. Because realistically, we I mean, the funny thing is we know that the 90-minute book has an example. I mean, it's, in fact, we actually updated it last year sometime and, and just tweaked it a little bit because it really was pretty rough in places from, a, from an editing point of view because we'd intentionally left it that way to make the point. The point is that very few people read the content because they just want the outcome by osmosis of having the book in their right. hand, their yeah. answer to, or the the outcome to magically manifest in the, in the world. Um, so anyway, the, the point I was making from the conversational language is the editing on that is intentionally very light, but the conversational nature of it, it is pretty much there from the first take, no recording, no second edits, no cutting bits of content in and out. That book was recorded from... Um, just in one take straight through and what you read is almost what was I mean pretty much identical to what was actually said yeah. and the conversational nature of that flow the accessibility of the language the fact that it's uh, the the narrative or the the journey runs through it in a pretty clear way much clearer than I'm doing now even <laughs> um, that that conversational language is compelling it makes it more accessible. People resonate with it more. The nature of the typical 90-minute book being a, a shorter book, a, a book that's to the point, a book that's answering the question, the whole premise is that this is an opportunity to get in writing, so kind of behind-the-scenes conversation with an expert, someone that knows more about the subject than you do. It would be like a imagine that you were listening in on a conversation that was happening around a, a kitchen table at home where an expert friend is sharing with with the the host the answer to the different than a lot of people write in which makes it stand out and stand out in an accessible compelling way comparing it to the financial services model i was just talking about i mean typically that industry is renowned for having unaccessible language and mm -hmm. being somewhat standoffish um, at times. Maybe not so I much think, these days, but right. historically that was definitely an issue. I think so, conversational language people, I, there's a comfort there, you know, it seems um, because that's how we are in our everyday lives, you know, yeah. and um, we're not, and I think we're getting even more so away from this. There's not that formality. Um, people are very laid back and very that this is sort of how how people are speaking and i'm seeing even writing like when in emails and stuff when you get from people you're like the emails are just not as formal like you said in that financially kind of way if you will you know yeah um, that's a great example isn't it the kind of social mediaization of of interactions generally when you think about 20 years ago, all of the communications that you saw from corporate bodies came through 
comms or PR or had been signed off by 10 people before they made it out the door. That's absolutely not the case now. And the objective is to um, is to work with people, build a rapport with people over time so that they know, like, and trust you and want to do business. And the best way of doing that is that authentic voice that comes through um, through a conversational tone. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I yeah. Totally agree with that. You know, it's interesting whenever we, I'm talking to people who are coming on board and we're talking about the process and people, particularly, I will say, our financial clients. Um, and I get it because there is sort of a mindset behind you know, those people, there has to be this certain professionalism and, and stuff. But, um, so they probably struggle more with the conversational language than anyone. But, you know, I said to people, you're talking about sitting around the the neighbor's table and answering your questions. And, and that's what I said to people, like when you're having this conversation with the person who's recording your call with you and asking you these questions, that's what it is. It's like talking to a colleague, talking to a client. It is that. And, and people are more comfortable with it, except our financial clients. Right. They're still, they're still caught up in like, oh, you know, because they are so concerned with every word that comes out of their mouth, you know. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it's industry specific as well. That regulated industries with heavier compliance mm-hmm. are more problematic. Um but then again, I think that depends on the context of what you're writing. If you think that you're trying to write a compliance heavy fact heavy math heavy book that becomes a reference material for someone then that's different from writing the a book that is an introductory piece to a com- to a subject that is just a conversation mm-hmm. it's a kind of physical we were talking with who do we do the podcast with um a while ago i'm blanking on names this morning um Oh, this is making for a good bit of the show. We did a show with, and I'm talking slower because I'm trying to look on the website. At the same time. Um, okay, talk yeah. amongst yourselves for a second because this right. is being a page away. It wasn't Mike. It wasn't David Kurtz. It was Kevin Craig. God. I don't know why I blanked on Kevin's name so much. Um, we were talking with Kevin Craig. There's an episode uh, back at episode 18. Um, the episode's called Helping Launch a Coaching Career, a Coaching Business with Kevin Craig. So the book that Kevin wrote was specifically because he was having a lot of coffee meetings with people who were just coming into town and asking if they could buy him a coffee, talking about his business. And he found himself talking about the same thing over and over again. So he just encapsulated that into a book that A, he could give to people who ask those same questions, at least to start the conversation and to give internally to his staff because it was good as a benchmark or a baseline because they were growing quite rapidly. So they had people that didn't have the the legacy culture. They didn't um, they had the experience with the company. But that that the, the premise for that book is exactly what you said. It was a conversation that Kevin was having time after time after time where people would, were asking similar questions because they had similar um, interests. They were trying to achieve the same outcome. So that behind-the-scenes, friendly, accessible, an expert answering a question because you as the non-expert don't have that level of, of history or expertise positions it in the perfect way to start the conversation in a way that then logically moves on to the next part in the process 
writing it in a conversational way takes so much of the pressure off as well because you're not trying to be it's like the difference between writing uh, uh, a tweet versus a blog post versus a youtube video versus a podcast versus a traditionally published book versus a, a white paper a peer-reviewed white paper the headache the amount of work the overhead starts ramping up exponentially as it becomes more official keeping it conversational people are very forgiving of if there happens to be a mistake in there or if you put opinion in there rather than fact or if you talk about something anecdotally rather than specifically all of that is much more forgiving in a conversational format which means it's much more straightforward to do and it's much more accessible and, and resonates with people at a personal level rather than trying to think of it as you were talking about there a compliance heavy official yeah. official time yeah i think that's i think that's you said all that very well that was you know that's some good stuff and people really can um i think it goes back to just that comfort level too you know people it's not yeah. it's not as intimidating as that yeah it's more likely that it will get done yeah, yeah. um Okay, so we've got two more then. Let's, uh, we should get this knocked out before uh, before the hour. Um, the last two, I'm actually going to combine these together because um, we've mentioned them a little bit already and they're, they're, they're two sides of the same coin. So the two steps are, or the two elements are crystal clear next step and a free recorded message and, and compelling website. The crystal clear next steps, that's, We've talked about that already. It's the back cover copy. It's, it's the compelling offer. I think the, the reason this is highlighted slightly separately, it's the crystal clear element of it. So quite often, um, you've kind of got a, a grade of how much people, um, how quickly people get all of these elements, I guess. One is the compelling offer, the fact that there should be a compelling offer at all. The second one, though, is making sure that's crystal clear because it's still possible to be a little too ambiguous in your next steps mm -hmm. if you're not explicitly telling yourself or validating that this next step is crystal clear. So oftentimes when we're working on back cover copy with people, you have a couple of defaults um, or a couple of templates that we'll, tr we'll try and work through people with. And one of the most popular is a statement at the top, just kind of recapping the problem and the solution, kind of just in 50 words or so, just restating what the problem was that was solved within the book and the fact that there is a path to to resolution. And then step one, step two, step three, and then general contact details at the bottom. Because what that does is at a glance, it very easily kind of numerates the next steps for people and because it's step one, step two, step three, there's also a kind of mental model of one is the beginning and three is the more advanced. So you've got the opportunity of putting the zero commitment one at step one and the middle commitment one in the middle and the, the higher commitment one at the end. In the book Blueprint Scorecard, we go into this in a lot more detail. So check out the um, the, the chapter that talks about the back cover, the, the call to action in in the book blueprint scorecard because that goes a lot deeper but a high level really talking about presenting ways for all of the readers and knowing who those readers are because you've picked the single target market a way for all of those readers to take the next logical step for that for them so we'll often say that step one should be something as you said before and visit the website for more information so if you've got more um, pdf type materials or videos or audios or 
blog posts, all of those things where people can learn more at no commitment. So they don't have to phone up, they don't have to give an email address, they don't have to jump through any any hoops. It's just there and available. And the aim of that first step is really just to increase and amplify that kind of know, like, and trust. It's a way of people to, way for people to learn more and, and understand more about you and the process that you're talking about. Step two then is often the the assessment type thing. So you've introduced the idea, the concept in the book. How can people validate for themselves what the next thing to do is? So um, a scorecard, an assessment, a checklist, something that they can download, something that you can identify that this person is now a hotter prospect than just the person that requested it. Something that they can evidence for themselves that they're moving in the right direction, that working with you is the logical way of going, that they're answering the question. Um, I often use Jim Hacking as the example and the immigration attorney. So the visa checklists that they've got for certain procedures, they're doing a lot on um, some immigration delay cases. And there's, again, another checklist there that people can go through to see if their case falls into this category. That second step is a way of identifying those hotter leads and people who've got copies of the book physically where they haven't necessarily opted in or if the book's been shared, it's a way of capturing email address details of people who you wouldn't necessarily have captured the details of before. And then number three, then the clear next step for number three is for those people who do want to start working with you. And that is, as I said before, that kind of mafia offer, that that easy to do, relatively low commitment offer, but usually involves some physical contact. So um, call for a, a consulting overview or come into the office for a a, um, a, a starter type call, a, a review, an assessment, those things that require that first level of commitment. And then at the bottom, usually after that, if there's, um, if you want to ask me any questions about this, then reach out to me, a phone number and email address is usually a good way of then capturing everything else. The compelling website on the last free recorded message, I'm on the fence about how successful free recorded messages are, where we are in technology at the moment. And I don't know about you, but usually I'm, I rarely use the phone apart from yeah. Um, texting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In in anything outside of this this work type context. So dealing with new companies, it's not typically going to be the phone. If you've got there's a lot of technological solutions around there that will deliver that, that will allow you to give a free recorded message that shares more information. Potentially if you're dealing with an older community, they might be more inclined to do that. So context are relevant, but um but yeah, I'll, I'll skip by free recorded message because it's the same as the website right. just in a just delivered in a different way but the compelling website on the ad example is then specifically for that one funnel so rather than driving people to your generic page go to our corporate domain.com and then you'll find out other information this particular example is driving people to a dedicated landing page so for your book this is less about the back cover copy because they're kind of in the funnel already but oftentimes we think about this in terms of a landing page for the book itself so bookblueprintscore.com 90minutebook.com as opposed to 90 minute books is the book opt-in page the single purpose book opt-in page that we've got so having that that's compelling obvious website that kind of the words of the domain amplify the 
the solution of the book itself. Again, that's that last element that kind of ties it all together. Okay, I'm very croaky voiced now. <laughs> No, I think this is a lot of great information, and I think it 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 can you know obviously um, this what we're looking at in front of us is is has to do with compelling ads, but you know we've been able to incorporate it into the book industry as well. So um, I think it was sort of a valuable, valuable. Yeah, you know, as we were talking about what to what to talk about this show, I was anticipating this being pretty uh, a quick run through, but just as you said when we started the conversation. Even now, after doing this for five years and repeating the same message over and over again, we're still talking to people when um, some of these elements aren't, um, there aren't answers to some of these elements. So it's surprising how much just changing the context of the list of things that we're going through helps share things in a different way. And hopefully, as you're listening to this, some of these elements will have resonated perhaps in a way that they haven't resonated before. Mm -hmm. Um, I think taking the framework, whether it's the Profit Activator Score framework, whether it's the Book Blueprint framework, whether it's using these seven steps as a framework, all of those things just act as a way of uh, a check and balance or a, a validation that you're heading in the right direction. So certainly encourage anyone to to um, head over to the, the show notes on the website. So this is going to be episode 75. And grab this framework. I'll put links to the frameworks in there as well. I'll include the slide from the Breakthrough DNA. Um, it's the online workshop that this this came from. So I'll include this image and then there's the book blueprint scorecard um, framework up there as well. So all of those things, whether or not you're working with us or whether you're doing this yourself, that should give some um, a great guideline, really a roadmap to really amplifying each of the elements. Yeah, I think it was very valuable. Fantastic. Okay, so let's um, let's wrap it there. I'm gonna go and drink some more water. And I'm not gonna drink bits. any more water. I've, I drank two <laughs> hours worth of water in this last hour, so I'm gonna slow my roll on the water. <laughs> so no more. So just bathroom. No, uh, no drinking. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do that when you're recording. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Just wait for me to go off on a tangent and then you've got 10 minutes. It'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, okay, so I'll put the show notes up. Um, make sure that all the links are in the show notes. So that's going to be over at 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 75. As always, if you want to ask us about anything or a, a subject that we can talk about in a future show, then just drop us an email to podcast at 90 minute book. Um, always suggest that the best thing you can do is just get started. I mean, there's a thousand and one reasons why you could you could delay it, but uh, just head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash start or follow the Get Started links on the website and, there's, um, and we'll be able to get you up and running and really walk you through and hold your hand through all of these elements to make sure that your book gets out there in the most effective way. Awesome. Hand-holding is my specialty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've... Um, held lots of fans before and we have looking forward to holding yours yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't sound weird um, okay so on that, on that, that note, uh, <laughs> we'll catch everyone next time thanks a lot for your time as always betsy and it's look forward pleasure. to speaking to you in the next one take care cheers bye